0: Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Casolaro, If the Truth Be Known, Rest Stop Killer, and Hervis Confession. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal.
1: And I'm your other co-host, Robert. This is Reenacted. Unsolved Mysteries podcast we realize that it's already the new year but Merry Christmas everyone
0: <laughs> yeah Merry Christmas Happy New Year uh, uh good Kwanzaa to you if that was a thing that you I don't know what you're supposed to say but, Sorry, and a
1: festivus for the rest of us and a festivus
0: and, for the rest of us and
1: and, and uh, I don't I, uh, I don't really keep up the Islamic calendar much, but if if Ramadan's nearby, have a solemn and dignified Ramadan. I think we've covered (laughs) a lot of uh, ground with that intro.
0: We sure did.
1: Christo, how was your Christmas?
0: It was good. We just stayed home. It was quiet. It was just me and Dave, uh, my fiancé. And, uh, you know, we we kept it pretty low-key since we're getting married in, oh, three weeks from... The, you know, that pretty thing that's coming court, up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, keeping it pretty low key. Um, I gave him some clothes. Uh, I was pretty uh, non discreet about exactly what I wanted for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I got it. And it was this it's the Kim Kardashian Skims velour robe. Because I saw it at Nordstrom and I was like, "Oh, that looks nice." So oh. I made a big deal about wanting that, and I got it.
1: So wait, is that so? That was kind of my big present. Th- is that what the the that's that Dune cosplay that you you sent picture uh-huh. you sent me?
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah my 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 future mother-in-law sent me a really beautiful cashmere white cashmere shawl Mm -hmm. and then i we took a picture of me wearing this like tan colored velour robe and so it kind of looked like we were doing a nativity play and i was mary (laughs) in her living room
1: (laughs) i certainly thought that that might be a possibility based off that picture
0: (laughs) i you know i i'll throw it up uh i'll try and remember to throw it up when this episode comes out i'll put it up on twitter and um Y'all can make a judgment as to <laughs> what I look like in that outfit, but we all had a good laugh.
1: Good. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: Robbie, how was your Christmas?
1: Oh, it was great. I mean, uh, I didn't really celebrate uh, in any um, sort of conventional way. My, I guess my Christmas was just sort of like, because I, I spent the whole holiday season working
0: you getting that double time.
1: Yeah, getting that. I
0: mean, you're a rich man.
1: Get right, I, I, I'm gonna need some of that money for when I, when I come down there to L.A.
0: Yeah, sorry about my expensive wedding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's fine, Chris. So it's in fine. Advance. Uh, in advance. in all um, honesty, like when I was looking at like you know the 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 hotel costs and everything else, it's really like you your your quote unquote expensive wedding is probably going to still mm-hmm. be cheaper than like in a couple of years when I go up to Washington to visit the, the town twin peaks was <laughs> was filmed in. So so don't 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 feel like you're not you're not you're not ruining me or anything. I it's it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I have enough guilt with trying to have a wedding during This shit, (laughs) ongoing shit of COVID, um, which we, you know, for all intents and purposes, kind of thought we'd be done with by January 2022. What fools we were (laughs) trying to get married two years into a pandemic. It's
1: it's it's okay. I mean, you know, really, if you're I I don't know, I'm of the perspective that I mean, because I'm vaccinated and i just live my life um yeah
0: well you know i i appreciate you saying that robbie i do because i the you know the thing is with omicron i do know some vaccinated people that have gotten tested positive you know i don't mm want to get into the whole thing but like they're fine they tested positive and they're like barely even sick because uh you know they were vaccinated and also because you know this omicron business is supposed to be a lot milder anyway um so you know i guess it's probably at this point coming to my wedding is running about the same risk you would be attending any wedding during cold and flu season right winter time so you know but uh yeah i mean i'm i'm definitely of the matthew mcconaughey attitude which is a vax mask and live your life man do what you can do to be safe, but you know nothing is without some sort of risk. Just leaving the or, house, you know. I got in a car yeah, accident wh- ten you, days ago. That had nothing to do with COVID. No, we just left the house. Exactly. So.
1: There's there's an element of risk to everything. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: Exactly. So we're trying to be we're trying to be mindful. We're trying to be safe, but you know it's just it's just a shit storm. But anyway, what did you get for Christmas at work?
1: Oh, it was fantastic. Between the Secret Santa. Uh, Stuff I got and my boss uh, Mm -hmm. got she doesn't participate in the secret Santa. She just buys gifts for everyone.
0: Oh, that's really sweet. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Like she's really cool. Mm. Um, And then also like. um, My boss who is above her, Mm -hmm. like sort of just he uh, every Christmas season, he gets like the, you know, a package of those Gerard. Delhi, Gira Ger- Del, the, the really fancy Ger- chocolate Deli? Square- squares. Yeah,
0: yeah, gotcha. <laughs>
1: he gets he, he gets a package of uh, so so between all of that, I got a package of, of those. Um, my boss uh, gave me a uh, uh, a book on the films of Stanley Kubrick, and um a shirt uh, uh a a Barry Lyndon shirt which is one oh. of my favorite movies
0: oh I didn't know that uh, I didn't know you were a Barry Lyndon fan
1: oh yeah yeah like over the years I've kind of just come to the conclusion that I I, I have to accept the fact that 0.001% of humanity is even interested in watching Barry Lyndon um <laughs> I I've, have to admit, I haven't I've try- seen it I've, I've tried to like get some, you know, acquaintances, particularly if they're like, you know, they're sort of into like Kubrick or directors and stuff. I try to get, I try to get people to watch Barry Lyndon. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, the reception is not, it's not enthusiastic. I think (laughs) one person described, they said that, they said that they would have gotten the, the same experience Mm-hmm. If they had just sat in front of a class, a, a painting and listened to classical music for three hours. <laughs> um, Which, but I don't depending know, I thought, on the
0: person, could be quite enjoyable.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's It's yeah. like it's an incredibly beautiful film. And I don't know, maybe you have to be sort of just the right amount of like twisted as a human being such as uh-huh. I am. To yeah. actually kind of find it incredibly funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, man, there are there are moments in that that film I laugh like uh, the, I won't get into any plot details or anything, but I mean, mm-hmm. there's one scene where there's there's a duel that's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And like the the more inexperienced person in this duel, he's trying to like cock his pistol, and he ends up shooting it into the ground. Mm-hmm. And that counts as his shot for that round of dueling. And so now he has to stand there and, and like receive the fire. And he just, before before they commence, he just falls to the ground vomiting. And I laugh at that scene every time I watch it. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so my boss, who mm-hmm. at one point had to listen to like four hours of me talking about Barry Lyndon when we, when he had a slow day, obviously he was paying attention. And so she, she got me a shirt with the movies logo on it. I was like, Oh, so awesome. And That's then so cool. uh, see, I know she, she's like the kind of boss that you actually kind of always hope you would get. I mean, yeah. she's just like, she's, she's really invested in, in her employees, um, all sorts of jazz. Um, and then for the secret Santa, uh whoever my secret santa was not only did they include a really nice card that thanked me for being awesome uh but the uh they got two gifts that they're uh that they were able to they're able to buy two and, and come in under that $25 thing mm. one was a book uh on arabic pronouns and prepositions
0: fantastic
1: yeah and the other was the movie it follows which we we discussed briefly in a, a text conversation yes you said um, you
0: you would uh, put it on as asmr during a certain yeah. period of your life which i yeah is am incredibly disturbed by but i guess also understand
2: <laughs> <laughs> on some well, level well, it,
1: <laughs> yeah no well yeah cuz it's like it's it it's cuz it has this sort of like dreamlike feel mm. to it I won't go into too much detail because we need to save this for when we have our It Follows Halloween episode a year from now. But <laughs>
0: mm, that would be a great one. I'd, I'd love to watch it again, even though it scared me shitless. Um. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Excellent. I, <laughs> I was, excellent. Uh, I was well, literally haunted by that movie for a couple of days after seeing it. Uh...
1: You know, yeah, it's like it. I it's a really good film. It's like there's what I liked about it was there's no freaking like it's not one of those, it doesn't rely on cheap jump scares. There's not like people like, ah, oh, just popping, things popping yeah. out. It's 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 more just this building sense of dread. Yeah, and... I don't know.
0: The the guy on the roof uh, is what yeah. made me scream. I would disagree. There are a few jump scares, but it's not because people are jumping out at you.
1: It's right.
0: It's just, uh. Yeah. Yeah, it's upset. That movie is upsetting, but we can watch it for our next <laughs> Halloween <Excellent>. special. <laughs> so, um, uh,
1: so, so, all you rumpers out there, yeah, keep an eye out. October twenty twenty two.
0: Yeah, for um, you know, not all uh whatever. By then, whatever we might be. Yeah. Um. Hey, Robbie. You know, one of the things that I. Was also very confused about is what's going on with this software program InsLaw. <laughs> sorry, that was Go a ahead. clumsy segue into the episode of unsolved mysteries we're going to talk about. I
1: I was I was I, I wanted to like try to run serious with it and start just talking about the the attributes of this uh of this what was it a financial program um something like that. A, yeah. yeah I,
0: this was the, oh sorry this is uh season Five, episode 20 of Unsolved Mysteries. We're about to start. I started on I here. I think we're actually no, on twenty one. 21. It's episode 21. Yeah. Robbie, I found this segment. Unsolved Mysteries does this a lot. And uh, even when I watch a segment more than one time, um, often the way they're throwing out the story is many times out of linear order which is okay mm-hmm. um but because they're doing it within a 20 minute segment if that things get very choppy and confusing so i'm really gonna have to rely on you to explain what the heck yeah. is going on here
1: yeah no 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 for sure yeah um and because this is so often the case they they start with sort of the hook which is the the discovery of the body um In this case, case, we're talking about a man named Danny Casolaro. Did I Mm -hmm. pronounce that right? Yeah. Um, uh, Who he was uh, discovered in a West Virginia hotel. We get Mm -hmm. this nice reenactment of the cleaning woman walking in and discovering that things uh, don't seem right. We hear her say, oh, God. And follow a trail, a blood trail, into the bathroom, and she has the sort of reaction that I would typically expect to be reserved for when people find my underwear when it has skid marks in it. Um, <laughs> Is that happening? Uh, I'm sure at some point in my life, people have, I've surely come across. You're saying my people underwear. like it, you're
0: just leaving it about on the streets. <laughs> For people to find.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, instead of a serial killer, I'm some sort of guy who just leaves, like, horrifying under, used underwear on the yeah. streets. <laughs> I think I'm going to get on Amazon people.
0: right now and send you, like, a case of flushable wipes. I think I'm just going to send that to you.
1: <laughs> didn't we, in, in our episode for the very first... Um, episode of the series uh-huh. that's ne- that's available on Patreon.
0: Yes, um, because it was too embarrassing to release
1: in we, the yeah. main
0: feat. In case, in case you're a new listener and you're wondering, huh, this is weird, why are they talking about episode two season one of Unsolved Mysteries as their very first episode? It's because the very first episode was uh, embarrassing, but Robbie, please continue about how it involves your underpants.
1: Well, I mean, because well, we talked about underwear a lot in that mm. <laughs> episode. Um, it was actually a, a at that point in my life, it was a, a huge concern for me. Uh, uh-huh. Finances being not uh, my finances not being as stable as they are now. Yes. Anyway, yeah, we we so we get the a, a cut to you know law enforcement investigating the scene, and uh, you'll notice that there's a sort of a youngish. Detective who is very carefully putting a suicide note into a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. If you observe this reenactment, you will see that he is he like the the speed at which he's doing it is he's clearly trying to make sure that he only has just finished sealing up the bag before the lead detective just arrives, so he's not just standing there holding this thing <laughs> looking like a, a dope. Mm -hmm. uh yeah um but yeah you know he he hands the bag over and it's like the it's convey the reenactments conveying the sense like well this is pretty uh clear-cut you know uh Mm -hmm. obvious suicide uh because what reporter doesn't you know slash 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 open their arms like seven times on each arm Mm -hmm. (laughs) which uh uh, so so deep that it cuts the the tendons. Um, mm. Part of the the mystery here is because it's presented as was he, was Danny actually was this actually a suicide or was this murder? And we get a sort of shot of reenactment of how when his brother was informed about his death. And it came like it came several days afterwards, which mm-hmm. is one of the, the things that the brother finds suspect. I don't know. I was just kind of in the reenactment, the, the brother's mustache. I I wasn't sure if it was real or fake. And I, I feel kind of ashamed to admit that was where my most of my focus was on.
0: Why are you apologizing?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I just because poor, poor Danny's dead. Yeah. And and and. And I I was just so distracted by his reenacting brother's mustache, but what this actually um, uh, we this 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 is a setup for showing us stuff that happened in the past because Danny was investigating this software theft uh, potential case mm-hmm. um, involving involving a. Uh, I be- Actually, I believe, wasn't Inslaw the name of the company, and the the software was called Promise.
0: That's correct. Yes. Ding! You got uh, it right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Promise uh, is like. I mean, I guess it's like the hot software. Yeah. And it's we get 1980s this little-
0: hottest new app.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, (laughs) we get this reenactment of, of Danny interviewing the, uh, the couple who are, I guess the owners or, or uh, in ins law and Mr. Hamilton, like they, they show him describing the software and its functions and what, what happened with their deal with the government and the reenactor playing this Mr. Hamilton delivers delivers it in such a robotic manner, you would think that he's running, he's actually being run off Promise software. software. Uh, uh, but the, the sort of potential malfeasance here is they had made some contract with the Justice Department and we get a r- little reenactment of like someone in the Justice Department explaining how the software works to like half a dozen coworkers gathered around them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> And I don't know, like several of those people have the same sort of glazed look in their eyes like I get when I have to stand around and watch someone try to explain how to do something, something on a computer to me.
0: Definitely. And I, I would make a strong bet, knowing how the government works, that they're still using the software. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I yeah. They sit down, they turn on the computer, you know, promise 3.2. Yeah. And loading it's that- up.
2: It's the
0: green and black, you know. I would not be surprised, Robbie. I'm telling you. Like It a-
1: It asked the user if they want to play a game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the sort of the the mal- possible malfeasance is this was supposed to be a multi-year contract, but then the government just stopped paying them. Mm-hmm. And it led to financial ruin, I guess, for Law. Uh And th- then they learned that, like, the Canadian government is using it. Mm-hmm. So basically, they seem to be su- suggesting that mm-hmm. that the U.S. government was doing what so many of us did in the when we would like share our Windows ninety five software with our friend, yeah, yeah <laughs> like, with the, with our license
0: win- number. Hell yeah, with our
1: license number. Yeah, since, Our, since 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 only a fraction of the peop- people were on the Internet at the time, there was no right. expectation that you would have to confirm via online. So uh, how would Microsoft yeah. know?
0: I You know, I think we were doing a lot of things with Adobe Photoshop in the early days, too.
1: Because you're a pirate. Uh,
2: they
0: figured yeah. it out, obviously.
2: <laughs> right, but. right.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think think about, like, uh, the U.S. government in their own way in the 80s, like, sharing via BitTorrent this promise program <laughs> with the Canadian government. That's pretty wild to think about.
1: Like, the U.S. government and Canadian government, they're just hanging out in one or the other's rooms, they're listening to some, some you know, some Nine Inch Nails, uh you know like to talking about school and then like you know one of them tra- you know hands the other here is my uh, windows 95 and here's the you know the thing with the co- code on it
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: like whoa
2: Hide the planet Hide the planet
1: this isn't just a, one of those unsolved mysteries bullshit <laughs> conspiracy mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> things this actually was like this resulted in congressional hearings. Yep. And so we get some some actual footage of Congress uh, at the time, and I have to say, like w- that footage is so refreshingly boring and stale. Uh, mm-hmm. It it really makes you envious. <laughs> They're just, you know, they're just sitting, uh, sitting at a long, you know, bench and they're just like, okay, Mr. Chairman, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's like, God, I, I you, you, never know what you have until you miss it. Yeah. Um, I,
0: uh, yeah, I miss having a really boring procedural government as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, and th- so we, and we get an interview with Elliot Richardson.
2: What I know,
1: right? I, like the guy who was the uh, uh, who, who was the attorney general for Nixon and resigned rather than than fire mm-hmm. the special prosecutor. Yeah, uh, which uh, on one level adds an immense amount of uh, gravitas to to this case. Mm-hmm. But then, like Richardson starts. He start, uh, you know, he kind of like, he starts to really kind of blow it up, like in terms of like, I, I don't, know, I feel like he really inflates the the importance. I mean, he says that it's far more a far more sinister conspiracy than anything revealed in Watergate, which yeah. is, is, I don't know, is, is kind of fair in a way. Like, is it? I mean, yeah, well, I mean, in Watergate, oh, like, I guess Watergate was just kind of
0: stupid. It wasn't really sinister, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, like Nixon was basically covering up that people uh, uh, working for his campaign broke into the DNC, and he found out about it after the fact. I mean, mm-hmm. Like. I mean, it's it's maybe it's it's like a tier or two above like the Lewinsky scandal. If if he had just like come out and just been like, yeah, some people in the campaign did the stuff, and da da da, you know, you have a little minor dip in pulling and then you would have been fine afterwards. It's, um, uh, but anyway, yeah. So, you know, I guess it's not really Richardson who's over-exaggerating with the hyperbole unsolved mysteries kind of just in their narrative they they start to to imply that okay. this thing like it 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 involves more than just yeah the Inslaws promise software they're yeah. they're throwing in everything that this is yeah. this is related to iran contra yeah bcci yeah. bnl the October surprise
2: dogs and cats living together mass hysteria.
1: up to this point I was like I was like okay this is actually some serious stuff and then I then I felt like uh unsolved mysteries you just you went a little too far on this but yeah we get some great reenactments of uh, Danny in a room with a chalkboard and a and, and a, and a corkboard and boxes legal boxes everywhere. You know, he's, he's clearly, he's, he's, he's connecting the lines. He's, yeah. he's making the connections. um, And it, they yeah, have it's a, definitely
0: like, it reminded me of that, that meme from Always Sunny in Philadelphia.
1: <laughs> with Charlie, with the, with, with the Charlie Pepe the, Sylvia. It all comes yeah. back. It goes, comes back to Pepe Sylvia, Pepe Sylvia. And all this male's going back to Pepe yeah.
0: Do you remember what Danny he had a, he called he had a name for the network of all these unsavory types.
1: Oh, I don't think I actually wrote down what uh, what the name he had. I don't know uh, that the, it was the,
0: on, on in the segment because I f- would have remembered it. I thought, but he called the network the octopus.
1: Oh no! Yeah, you're right. They did mention it. Yeah, the oct- yeah. He called it the octopus. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which to me just implies it's like. Much like that meme from It's Always Sunny. It's just like, yeah, I guess you can connect everything together if you're determined to. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah.
0: just let people marinate on that.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, we get a little reenactment of Danny, I think, was meeting with his brother uh, uh, and saying like, hey, look, if I die and they say it was an accident, don't believe it's it's an accident um which probably explains why his brother is so insistent that this wasn't an accident or a suicide Mm -hmm. um and we have this this great reenactment of the autopsy it's shot very much it feels like like a like it was shot for the x-files you know, a bunch of figures looking through a one-way mirror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything's kind of uh, played in a very uh, subdued manner.
0: The cigarette smoking um, man is there.
1: Cigarette smoking man? I was honestly kind of, like, looking for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and I guess the the implication is that the, the autopsy was not going uh, to tr- uh, ter- turn up the, the, the accurate results um, and then, uh, we get a reenactment of Danny's funeral, a military man showed up and he, he placed a, a medal on Danny's casket and saluted and walked off and no one present knew who he was or why he would be there. Mm-hmm. But the thing I couldn't, I couldn't get, I, I couldn't shake from my mind. And I'm, I'm really wondering, Crystal, if did you have this thought, too? Because I very much felt like this segment was trying to imply that that military man was Colin Powell. <laughs> um, He had. That's...
0: OK, well, here's what my initial. Read on it was and keep in mind, I don't ever watch things with my glasses on and I probably should. So when I saw that reenactor walking up to the funeral area i thought it was james earl jones <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh he would have been a good, good excellent selection to play yeah, yeah. but
0: then i'm like and james I, earl jones in the early 90s is not in unsolved mysteries reenactments he's in films and shit <laughs> um so <laughs> yeah his his but,
1: career is a little too big at this point to be to yeah, doing that so but what...
0: i think maybe maybe i mean it was, I mean, who was col Who was Colin Powell to anyone in nineteen ninety three when this aired? I guess, like, who yeah. would anyone have sort of if that was trying to telegraph? If they were trying to telegraph that and unsolved mysteries or even imply that, would it, would anyone even have known who Colin Powell was at that time to pick up what I'm is he try- telegraphed?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to remember what his actual position was in the military during uh, Desert Storm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't remember what position he. I, I don't think he was. He wasn't chairman of the Joint Chiefs, was he? No, but he was. He was sort of. I think by the in, in the post. Uh, Desert Storm thing, he would have had some recognition uh, uh, in the public consciousness, at least mm-hmm. enough that because I know in '96 there was, um, well, in '96 there was some talk about him uh, running for the uh, nom- Republican nomination for president. Oh. Um yeah, I, I, I the, 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 I, because I actually I have memories of, <laughs> um. This this is going to sound maybe s- slightly embarrassing, hmm. um, but I have memories of myself in middle school trying to sell people on that idea. Uh huh. <laughs> I was really I was really big uh, 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 on him. I mean, um, uh, I think. Listen,
0: you know, I, I, back in the day, we all were, and then things happened, and then we weren't
2: yeah 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 at <laughs> the end <laughs> <laughs> so in 1996 that's less, that's
0: less embarrassing i don't know like uh you know god who ran against clinton in 96 it was bob dole right yeah so yeah i mean i i can see colin powell being more of an appealing character but for all we I, know he I... was just one arm of the octopus man
1: Right, right. The, the octopus apparently extends everywhere. So, I mean, enough that it's like it's sending Colin Powell to this funeral to put a medal on the casket and salute. Right. <laughs> for Danny. So
0: uh. <laughs> to recap very quickly, Danny thought the whole Law scandal of the United States giving the software to Canada without first licensing it properly from the company innslaw um somehow was tied up with this cd network of government officials uh underground criminals all of that i mean it's jumping from point a to point t pretty quickly
2: yeah and
0: I don't really. I don't know what to really make of this because the thing that stands out to me that's very strange is that Danny did go to his brother instead of anything happens to me. It was it wasn't an accident, and then a week later he's dead. Right. That's them's the facts, man. Anything else is just conjecture. With mm-hmm. all this in law stuff, so I don't know. What do you think happened?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, know yeah, I don't know whether his his death was absolutely a suicide or not, but I think. I think maybe the mistake unsolved mysteries is, is got got itself wrapped up in here. Like you said, unsolved mysteries is trying to to make this run from point A to point T. Yeah, I think there is definite. I mean, there's without a doubt a point A to a point B here, and yeah. maybe a point A to a point C. Right. I mean this uh, there's some serious stuff here but unfortunately this octopus's tentacles are reaching all the way out to T. I yeah. mean, i mean uh, i th- i think i think maybe it, it it went a little too too overboard on the right on, on this yeah
0: um one of the things i did want to mention though is when they were talking to i think it was one of the guys maybe it was an fbi guy that had worked on the case Okay. um uh he throws a ton of shade at the local authorities in West Virginia being like, this is not, oh yeah, how you they didn't gather enough evidence. um they had the place clean the they allowed the hotel to clean the room like very shortly after they found the body so they weren't able to like dust for prints or do any of the work they would normally do in West Virginia. Uh, authorities like really beefed it and it was interesting to hear like whoever this big city cop or fbi guy is throw like so much shade at Mm -hmm. you know small small town cops in west virginia so i don't know i thought that was just a little bit catty and fun um (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) detail in this segment but yeah I don't I I think there is a point A to point B here and I think we would probably know what it is if the West Virginia cops had not completely bungled the evidence collecting from that hotel room I think we would have had a lot more information Um, I'm inclined to think that two things are probably possible that Danny was a little bit paranoid because he worked himself up into thinking there was all this octopus stuff going on um mm-hmm. but also he very simply could have been the victim of a robbery gone wrong
1: yeah um it's always a possibility you know,
0: who knows so i uh, i thought this was a pretty good mystery it kind of got lost in itself but
1: <laughs> but it was fun all around even when yeah. it was lost so uh it's not a disappointment at all yeah Speaking of disappointments, did you want to talk about a lost love segment? <laughs>
0: this this lost love segment spends a lot of time in some details. It just, I mean, it's the stretching two minutes of story into fifteen minutes of show, and yeah. uh there's just a, it's just one of those things where like I'm left with some of these stories we get on some mysteries are so incredible that I wish there was more reenactment going on. And then I get one Mm -hmm. like this where it's like, this is too much reenacting. We don't need all of this (laughs) information. Um, so so basically what happened is there's a guy, his name is Bill O'Neill and Bill O'Neill is giving us the story of, um, how he really growing up did not feel like he belonged to his family You know, he describes having more like having darker hair, having olive-toned skin. He didn't look like any of the other kids in his family. Um, Mm -hmm. He's the youngest of six children. Uh, So, anyway, and he was told that his father um, had died shortly before his birth. Well, well, well. So, Bill's. Yeah, years go by, Bill's older brother, his name is Tim, he goes out to visit their father's grave in Chicago, and he notices that the date of death um, was was so far in advance of Bill O'Neill's birth that there was no way that, like, he could have been Bill's father. And so there's a reenactment where, like, Tim comes to Bill, well, first Tim goes to their mom, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And um she's just like I didn't want anyone to know. Uh and then that was in nineteen eighty three. And then Tim was like, Okay, I guess I won't tell anyone, but you should you should like tell you should tell Bill. This is weird, lady. And then Tim yeah. didn't then there's a reenactment of Tim telling Bill. So Bill's Bill's like reenactor like tim just say it just say i know i know what you're gonna say just say it and then tim's like i don't know you should really talk to mom and then bill bill reenactor is like no i know what you're gonna say you should just tell me (laughs) and then tim's like okay well here's what i know and mom copped to it that this guy hugh o'neill is not your biological father um and so then bill calls his mom and his mom's like "Uh uh-oh guess you know now and she told him about this other man named Paul. She'd actually met Paul at the VA hospital where her hus—her current husband was dying. So Hugh, Do- Hugh. wait, hold on. Sorry. Hugh, quote, unquote, Paul O'Neill. Just pick a first name, motherfucker. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> hold on. Paul O'Neill is the one that they were trying to say was Bill O'Neill's biological father. Sorry. Let me back yes. that up. While Paul was dying in the VA, Lynn, the mother, met this other guy named Jim Jim Burke.
1: There, there are so a lot Paul, of names being th- thrown around. Yeah. Uh, okay. So like, Bill
0: O'Neill is looking for his dad. He thought it was Paul O'Neill, but he kind of knows that it isn't. The mother is Lynn. Lynn, while her current husband was dying started talking to this other guy Jim Burke who was a friend of her dying husband okay we got that straight okay so Paul dies Jim and Lynn begin dating now keep in mind at this point Lynn has I've lost count I think she has four children widowed with four children
1: more than one
0: (laughs) yeah I mean trying (laughs) to keep track of all the kids in this story was fucking bananas okay um so jim and lynn begin dating 1959 jim moves the whole family to california um so jim lynn and then her four children okay so it wasn't until 1960 bill o'neill bill o'neill the subject of this entire story it's not until 1960 that bill was born so the math didn't add up right because december 20th 1958 was when paul o'neill died and for some reason lynn was telling bill that was his father I don't know why. And then then Lynn had Bill and one other child with this guy, Jim. I mean, I really feel like I need a flow chart for this whole situation. Yeah. And then uh, so it didn't work out out between Lynn and Jim. Jim pieces out. At this point, Lynn has a young daughter. um, And there's like, she's a single mom with too many kids. And so she tells the entire... Fa- this is so fucked up. She tells the entire family the youngest daughter, Peggy, is sick and has to go to the hospital. That was true. Peggy was sick. But then she tells that once Peggy goes goes away, she tells the rest of the kids that Peggy died.
1: The fuck? <laughs> as as one does uh, <laughs> at this time, apparently. That's... I, I don't know. <laughs> now, what's I mean, more fucked up? Yeah. That... Or that, because um, I, I, I have in my notes that uh, with with Peggy's, you know, health situations or, or whatever, um, that uh, it was referred to as failure to thrive, mm-hmm. which to me sounds very accusatory. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, it's almost like uh, it's just a step away from accusing her of failure to launch. Right. Um, yeah, that yeah. baby
0: was just... Not doing enough as a baby, apparently, right?
1: Right, exactly. Wait, failure to launch wasn't Matthew McConaughey in that film? Sure was. <laughs> oh, it comes full circle. <laughs> Sorry, um, continue. But,
0: yeah. Also, please don't write at us. I know failure to thrive is a real thing, just I don't care. Um, let us make our jokes, okay? So, and then finally, so. 1990, Lynn comes clean and tells her kids that Peggy, in fact, had not died and that she'd been given up for adoption because Lynn, very understandably, could not take care of six children on her own. Um, And then Peggy had actually the reason that this came up in 1990 is because Peggy had been adopted, raised by a loving family, and that she was now contacting Lynn because she wanted to know who her biological siblings were, who her parents were. So at the point that that Bill O'Neill is coming into this, he's coming into this also with Peggy, who has been reunited with the um, whole O'Neill clan. And so now Mm -hmm. what they're doing is they're looking for their biological father, Jim Burke.
1: Yeah, I I kind of missed that the first couple of times I watched this segment. Yeah. Because I got I I would get confused. It's like, okay, well, we have a reenactment of Bill and Peggy being reunited and you know they're catching yeah. up on memories uh, and i i would just be like is this it where was the mystery and right it took yeah me, and it, then it's it took like me...
0: okay we're looking for our dad i was like oh okay well that yeah, makes like, sense it oh, seems like we oh
1: yeah the dad yeah of course there was just like
0: <laughs> way too many details if i sound confused talking about this that's because it was fucking confusing um right well it, there was too it, many, many things like, going on
1: because yeah because the mystery is where is their dad yeah. Uh, but like most of the setup is spent on like how Bill and Peggy got reunited, right. which isn't a mystery because we, we, no. we know it enough that we have a reenactment of it.
0: Right. I mean, I guess, I guess that is the, st- it is an interesting story, but I need to, yeah. I need to focus on Lynn for a few moments here. Let's okay. break this down. Um, when Lynn be- began dating Jim, I don't know if they were ever legally married or not, but when they got together with Jim, she was a widow. She had children to support. I'm not really sure where the shame is in her telling Bill O'Neill from, it, maybe not the very beginning, but at least when he started having questions like, hey, how come I don't look like the rest of my family? Being like, <laughs> right. oh, that's because your you're biological father um you know was this other guy it wasn't because lynn was like young and unwed and had all that 1950s shit going on like she was in a very understandable situation she took up with another man there's nothing weird or shameful about that not now not then i don't know why she didn't come clean about that um and then especially she has to wait to be confronted with these things to start start coming clean she sounds to me and then and then lying to them about their youngest sibling being dead again the truth here is not shameful the truth is she could not take care of all those children on her own she said you know what i had to i had to give peggy up to a loving family and then Mm. maybe someday we can see her again not she died what like so this so this woman is just she's She's obviously really avoidant because she's only admitting to things when she's confronted with them. But she's also a fucking pathological liar. Like, let's be real here. This, These are big lies. These are big, like, life-altering lies. And it wasn't even done out of shame. It was just because because she didn't want to talk about it anymore.
1: Right, because as you point out, th- uh, there was a you know a lot of social stig- stigmas around a lot of stuff during that time, right. but this yeah. was not one of those <laughs> things. Neither
0: of these things was was one of those things.
1: Yeah.
0: Be- yeah. giving up Peggy for adoption or or uh, you know getting together with another man shortly after being widowed. I mean, those those were financial practicalities of the time.
2: Yeah. So, or,
0: or of any time. So I, I don't know. Like I would listen. Okay. Here's the thing. Um, Jim died in 1988. So Jim's, this is the update. Jim died. Jim's not getting reunited, but Peggy, uh, Peggy and, um, Bill, uh, who have, who were reunited in the original segment got to meet Jim's children from a previous marriage. So altogether, I think in this situation, there's like two half siblings and then four children on either side. So altogether, there's like 10 adult children um, in this situation. Knowing that I'd been lied to so consistently by my own mother about things that aren't necessarily shameful, just she didn't want to deal with it anymore... I don't think as an adult I'd probably have a relationship with somebody like that.
1: It really leads you to wonder, were there other things that, like, none of the kids know about at all?
0: Oh, there have to be. I mean, there's probably all kinds of lies. Little lies, big lies, (laughs) you know? Totally. Just lies. Lies on lies with this woman.
1: Just layers. It's lies all the way down. I feel kind of sorry for Tim, uh, Bill's uh, I guess half brother, because um, yeah. in the reenactment, the person who's portraying him has a lot worse balding situation than Tim in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help but think that if I were Tim watching that segment for the first time, like, wait, that's who they got to portray me?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I would I would be I would be upset, legitimately upset. Yeah. So no, that's what I, I would, have to say about this segment.
0: <laughs> I, if I were Tim, I would also be writing a letter to the producers. Like the fuck, <laughs> right? <laughs> What's that about? Um. Yeah. Anyway, uh, all right. Well, we have a sad story now. Yeah. Poor Gord. Poor Gord McAllister. Yeah. What a, what a sweet, gentle Canadian. You know, to have all this happen yeah. to him. So in uh, 1991, so this is shortly before uh, this episode of Unsolved Mysteries airs, um, Gord and his wife, Jackie, um, they, you know, they're they're hitting the road. They're RVing, you know. Yeah. And (laughs) (laughs) they're retired.
1: Tell me about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They want to they want to see their country. And uh, so off they go. And they lived in Ontario and uh, where did they end up st- stopping at this rest stop in their RV around uh, it, the blind, the blind river, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> blue,
1: blind, that's... blind river. We, we get, uh, we get the segment starts out with this helicopter overhead shot right. of it, which I, yeah. I'm assuming must've been like archive footage from the, like the, the mountains no, or something. Nah, I guess. No, yeah, Maybe. Yeah.
0: So, um, in the reenactment, this is what we get. You know, we get to see in their RV. It's very sweet. They have pictures of their family. And they're tucked in their RV bed at this rest stop late at night. And Gord says, you know, when they pulled in and shut it down for the night, um, there's no one else there. And they're tucked in their. Oh, my God. They were in their PJs. And it was so cute in the reenactment. Yeah. And uh, around 1 a.m., they hear this bang, 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 like on the door of the rv and somebody identifying themselves as the police uh wants them to open the door and you know saying oh you can't camp here or whatever and so the wife gets up and opens the door or the reenactor wife uh gets up and opens the door and a guy busts in with a with a shotgun and did you think this might have been jake Busey for a second (laughs)
1: <laughs> I have to say this was one of the this the the guy they got to play this 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 robber is just so terrifying looking. Mm-hmm. He's probably w- one of the scariest people re- in the reenactments we've seen on this show 100%. at all so far. Yeah,
0: really terrifying. He's got
1: but Jake Busey, that's an entry. Yeah, yeah, I could see Jake Busey with a long enough hair. You know, doing yeah. this role. He's he's so pale faced. Right. And, and what I found weird is he comes in, and he's like, he he's double armed, right? Mm-hmm. Like a a gun in each hand, and he's and and they're long arms, which just mm-hmm. I mean, instead of like pistols, which just had me so you don't really typically see that no i mean uh if if someone's gonna typically if someone's got weapons in both hands they're going pistols right if, if you're carrying a long arm whether it's a shotgun or a rifle you're, you're probably just carrying that and you're using yeah. both hands on it and he yeah. comes in sporting both which just makes the whole situation just really intimidating it looks like he kind of had like both uh uh, a sort of a carbine rifle and a shotgun in his other hand.
0: Yeah. I mean, he yeah. showed up like he was trying to rob the whole train,
1: you know, <laughs> precisely.
0: So he, so he gets in the RV and he's, you know, the wife is just like, take whatever you want. Do you want my rings too? And then this, and then this guy, the reenactor is like, I'm, I'm going to take your stuff and then I'm going to kill you. And she's like, there's no need to do that. Just take our stuff here. You can have it.
1: Yeah, I was I was when when the woman playing the the wife was like, Do you want my ring? I feel like the person portraying the um the uh the robber, like he kind of gives this subtle facial hint as if he's playing the character as if that hadn't occurred to him. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, the ring, yeah, that <laughs> in the ring. <laughs> I, yeah he's like... like give me
0: what you got give me what you got and uh yeah. unfortunately the next thing that happens is that uh the robber shoots jackie
1: yeah and, and it's um, cold-blooded brutal yeah. just
0: and um gourd also so he makes a move for the door and he gets shot and then Gord very quickly thinking rolls under the RV. So when the gunman gets out, he can't um, see him. He doesn't know where he went. At this point, another car had pulled up. So there's like a blue van. That's the robber's car. And another car had pulled up uh, to the rest stop to see if uh, the person in the blue van needed help in case they were broken down or something. Cause you know, this is like the nineties, like like we don't have cell phones and it's the Canadian wilderness. Okay. And so, the car the driver of the car starts to get out and sees this guy with the guns gets back in to his car (laughs) and then the robber fires off right through the windshield and right into this guy's chest um so that his name is brian major yeah and um anyway so Gord, uh, Gord is on some like like michael brown shit Right now, okay, this dude is a badass because he's like, here's what's up for a long time. Because I was the only witness that survived this attack, because Jackie died, if that's not obvious. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I was the only witness that got a good look at the guy and I hid. Um, you know, I went into he basically went into police custody for a while to try and protect him, but then now he's on Unsolved Mysteries and he's like, here's the thing, like. My wife is dead. I have nothing to lose. So you know what? Come and get me. Come and get me. Because when you come and get me, they will be waiting for you. So he was like basically like, I dare you to come hunt me down. I dare you. Because I'm willing to die and your ass is going to go to jail. I'm like, Gord is in his gentle Canadian way. <laughs> Being the biggest badass maybe we've ever seen on the show because he's just like, Yeah, I already lost everything, so come and get it. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, it's 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 <laughs> it's Damn.
0: Damn, Gord, you know? Um, there's also some fun stuff that we do with some like computer generation of faces. Some high tech software is featured. <laughs> At the police station,
1: <laughs> we we get a re- the reenactment of Gord, you know, going th- uh, helping with creating the face is just almost the highlight yeah. of the episode. Oh entire yeah, episode in several ways. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah the they do come up with a very interesting composite of something that actually looks like a real person so good on the <laughs> right
1: it isn't really like
0: uncanny valley they actually did a pretty good job of doing a composite photo which they feature on the show um
1: yeah they they sit gord down the the guy the guy running the program is like okay gord we got this new program it's called promise um mm-hmm. it's really useful so
0: yeah we we just like the united states government just like gave it to us
1: <laughs> oh oh but you, you but Wouldn't you are right something? it actually yeah i know right <laughs> the, like the producers don't realize until like the episodes being edited together like yeah. hey wait a second um but yeah, you you are correct. Like the the software produces like the image of a, a human being instead of like some weird humanoid with mm-hmm. a, a seven foot tall uh, brow and mm-hmm. uh, forehead and <laughs> small rat like eyes or, or right. any of the weird things we get. Yeah.
0: Um. So there isn't an update on the show, but there is some in the wiki. If y'all oh, want to okay. hear it, so it's it's very loose. It's not solved. The person is still wanted for these crimes. But here's what we have: uh, in 1999, a suspect named Ronald West was identified by police. He currently in prison serving time for two unrelated murders from 1970 and several home invasion robberies from 1995. However, he has never been charged with the Blind River murders. So that's uh, Gord's wife and this other guy Brian um, there is some circumstantial evidence that links him to the crime so him being Ronald West uh, at the time of the murders he lived about 12 miles away from the crime scene he also owned a 22 caliber rifle and a 20 gauge shotgun so good job Robbie on clocking the guns the same type oh, of weddings nice. that were used at the murders You said you, you noticed one was a rifle and then one was a shotgun so good for you <laughs> Um, I get a gold star.
2: To this you episode. get a gold star
0: for gun knowledge. <laughs> um, and Ronald West's ex-wife also noticed that he owned a blue van, and it looked similar to, the, and he had looked similar to the composite photo they came up with, but with a blonde wig. Um, finally, Ronald West was a police officer, which would match up with the gunman identifying himself as such. Mm. So he's not been charged, but there is ex-cop Ronald West suspect in the you is know is he
1: still in prison right now or
0: yeah he's in jail i mean as oh. of whenever the wiki was updated so he's okay in prison.
1: that's good i was just gonna say um. is this
0: last thing even a mystery because it's just like it's like they're just telling us a story again
1: <laughs> that's what i almost this is another dateline
0: like... segment you know this yeah. isn't
1: the this the show is rapidly becoming storytelling uh, right. as as our as as a former professor of ours would sometimes describe uh work that wasn't um empirically designed yeah uh yeah um yeah it, it yeah just once again yeah i, I feel like we're getting uh, uh uh just just yeah just a lot of descriptions of things that happened I was like, okay, well, that was definitely a thing that happened. I'm not sure what the mystery was, but yeah, thank you. what's the
0: call to action here, you know?
1: Yeah. Just, I guess the call to actions to continue sitting watching. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, you know, if it had been around back then, like, 23andMe and Ancestry.com would have been, like, perfect advertisers for Unsolved Mysteries.
1: Oh, totally. Like,
0: don't you think?
1: Pre-internet. Uh, the demand, or, or you know, pre-social media, the demand would have been like so through the roof uh, to have those capabilities, uh, at, at your hand. Yeah, totally. A lot of lost loves out there.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Like you could do a lost love segment, and then boom, here's your you know twenty three and me advertisement. Although it if twenty three out- and me had been around back then, I don't know that we'd have so many lost loves segments. So.
1: Uh do they do I I know there's that that attempt at a revamped Unsolved Mysteries that we both mm-hmm. series that we both tried to watch. I haven't watched any since. Do you think they do lost loves on that? I imagine they're probably a much smaller percentage, if at all.
2: Mm, yeah,
0: I mean if anyone has watched the new Unsolved Mysteries and wants to chime in on that, they should let us know.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna watch it.
0: No, I'm not either.
1: Mm-hmm okay this was this was overall uh, an amazing segment uh packed in a lot for as as short as it was mm. and uh do you want to do you want to go to fort lauderdale N-
0: never Crystal? but i will for you and i will for unsolved mysteries
1: okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um our next segment it's sort of a it's uh it's kind of the inverse of what we got in the last one it's about an innocent man behind bars
0: yes yeah. and it's not a final uh, appeal it's just like a like a medium appeal but then it also gets solved immediately so
1: <laughs> right just uh, if, uh, having you know once you're finished with this entire episode uh you know, at the time, you would have been like, okay, I guess I don't need to call anyone or do anything. Um, unless unless you happen to know about the extent of the octopus. Um, yeah, so we got a uh, opening, establishing shot of what to me looks not too dissimilar from the house from the Golden Girls. Um, You know, I I think I maybe I'm just thinking that because it's Florida and they got those trees uh, out front. Um, It's a pretty, pretty bummer opening. Uh, They're talking about a young woman named Susan, 38 years old, divorced, uh, had an 18 month year old daughter. Uh, Unfortunately, she was found murdered on the floor of her kitchen a bloody knife right nearby. Um, There were unfortunate um, implications as to all the things that happened to her before she died, and as an added layer of fuck my life, um, her infant daughter had died of dehydration in the time between when this happened and when uh the body was discovered Hmm. so the police do you know they they do an extensive search of the neighborhood uh and go next door talking with a, a woman you know uh like did you see anything and her son comes out and kind of voluntarily is like hey i want to talk to the the police and they're like, oh, uh, can you? And he's like, well, if my mom could come with me, which is sort of my first indication that yeah, <laughs> um, the individual in question is not uh, entirely of, of um, uh, able to, uh, his name is John uh, Purvis. Uh, he's not entirely able to um, talk, Uh, with the police and really be meaning what he's meaning. Um, They kind of, uh, the police are kind of like, you know, they're looking at him like, Hey, maybe this guy's a suspect. We kind of get a reenactment of his mom bursting into the room. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm taking my son home now. Mm -hmm. You know, they storm out. Uh, But I guess the police were like, Hey, if we can get this John Purvis alone, I'm sure we can get him to confess. Uh, and so a few weeks later, they brought in a psychologist that um, a Dr. Joe class, which sounds like like the sort of name I would give a psychologist in some cheap short story I was writing. <laughs> uh, and Joe class, uh, he shows John a bunch of T.A.T. cards
2: uh, yeah. that,
1: you know drawings that are supposed to uh, like i guess the drawings are supposed to be relatively ambiguous and uh the reactions that they elicit are supposed to give you whatever insights they're going to give you into the person's mind Uh uh-huh i don't know like they sounds super (laughs)
0: scientific
1: yeah and honest, yeah it's not super scientific, and honestly they i mean they made it sound like these cards were like really abstract imagery, but like the the one complete card that we get to see shows a tree, some tall grass, and hills in the background with a shed, very clearly yeah. and distinctly, so I'm not sure I'm not sure what they're what they're trying to get here other than maybe like. It, the cards aren't so much important so much as uh, they give the, the psychologist an excuse to try to, like, say things to throw John off balance or yeah. something. I don't know. I mean, it sounds um, like he
0: was being shown magic cards. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and okay, then he John. Like, he's like, do, do I cast, you know, heal or whatever? You know what I'm saying? Like.
1: Well well John you need to tap your your islands uh, yeah. to get enough mana to um but then yeah. uh, I feel like that's if, what if I,
0: John thought was going on. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean that's kind of um uh kind of what it kind of felt like uh just I mean the implication is John didn't understand that he like that he was being tr- they're trying to get him the, the you know, to just say you did it so that they could arrest him and throw him in jail and i think even the psychologist kind of like he said that during the course of talking with him like john asked him like do you think i did it and the psychologist was like well i, you know, I don't think so and but it, there's this, apparently the police like they in the super slime ball move. They said something like, "Well, if you say that you killed her, then we'll let you go home." Basically, right?
0: right. Yeah, that's uh, what which, they do.
1: Which John did, uh, but they did not let him go home.
0: Uh, yeah. No, I mean, now John was not in a place. Obviously, he was coerced. He was not well enough to know what was happening um so just in case um you find yourself in this situation robbie what do i always say what do you tell the police come on Uh,
1: get get my lawyer lawyer yeah i
0: know john i know john was not in a position to say that but just that's the only thing you ever say
1: lawyer well yeah no i mean he didn't have enough um mountain cards to tap to, tap lawyer. to summon his yeah. lawyer <laughs> yeah <What? laughs> <I'm> sorry <laughs> i kind of just had this mental image of someone being like can i speak with my lawyer and the yeah. police being like uh you don't have enough mana for your lawyer pal yeah that's
2: they do be <laughs> like that though
0: they do like that
1: and then (laughs) yeah and of course as it turns out how shocking uh once you know they 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 really start uh bringing in people to like address this this miscarriage of justice it turns out wouldn't you know susan had an ex-husband who was like upset that he was paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in alimony?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: <laughs> almost as if that might be a motive. Right, <laughs> and it turns out well, he had out an alibi. He, actually... he was home. Yeah, right. He was in another
0: state when this happened, so that was his alibi, and the cops just didn't think to go any farther with that.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, because I mean, if he didn't do it, who, who, who could? Other than a man he paid fourteen thousand dollars to, to... <laughs> oh boy.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, big big applause to the cops in this situation who went after a mentally ill man to make this as easy as possible for them to get a convic- conviction. So, just <laughs> kudos to I, them. I,
1: yeah, way way to go, Fort Fort Lauderdale. Um, on the plus uh, side. Mm-hmm. Paul who I and Paul Z- the the ex and the uh, uh-huh. guy the ex hired are both yeah. serving life in prison uh, yeah. at least as, as, as of this episode right
0: yeah John Purvis only lost nine years of his life so I guess it's fine um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyways uh, Robbie if people want to get in touch with us how should they do that
1: um well first and foremost go to our patreon and sign up for the one dollar tier
0: yeah I guess- you're that's just like a tip that you're giving us but le- let me tell you let me tell you it helps a lot and when enough people do it i mean basically we we cover the hosting fees uh for the podcast um you know, um, we're able to help cover the costs of producing this, so it's not just our time, but our producer, Connor, as well. It's very helpful, it, it's encouraging. It's like when you give us a tip, it's like, Hey, I like you a dollar's worth. <laughs> and, and if uh, you're one of the people who's nice. paying
1: more than than a than dollar, yeah, uh, and you still haven't gotten us your address as to where to where I should send your un- some unsolved mystery swag. Yeah. uh please give us you are, your, your address you're, you're entitled to it um, and give that, us your address go- <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> I you 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 can ask the people who've already done it they haven't gotten anything weird from me I haven't actually been sending anyway. anyone my used underwear. <laughs> <laughs> though, if that's your though, if you're interested, we might be able to make a side arrangement on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, uh, uh, go to reenacted pod on Twitter, tweet at us there. Uh, the you know, at reenactedpod at gmail.com, you can send us uh, emails if you if you feel the show isn't up to snuff. Do it there, uh-huh. yeah. That's but if great. you feel the show, if you feel that the show is up to snuff and you really yeah. like it, go to iTunes yeah. or anywhere where you can rate a podcast and give us five or whatever the maximum amount of stars are.
0: Yeah, and I'm just checking because we have the ongoing 90 for 90 uh, contest. When we get to 90 uh, reviews on um, iTunes, we're gonna put names in a hat and draw them, and then Robbie's gonna send you something although it's been so long now we're, we're quite nearly there so oh, um there seems to be people going in and not doing five stars though uh thank you for dropping our star rating again if you don't like it you can just stop listening and n- not recommend it to you i mean really that's up to you i don't understand i don't ever understand the point of giving something a negative review but that's just me um it's fine if this isn't your cup of tea it's all good it's barely my yeah, let, cup of tea to be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah, let me let me tell let me tell you people so- something. If I get a meal at a restaurant and I don't like it, I do not send it back. Yeah. Now that's primarily because I'm afraid what's going to happen to whatever food comes back from the kitchen.
0: Super reasonable.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um I, only once in my life have I ever consented to to this. I was um I was at a uh I was having breakfast with some people in Dayton and yeah. I ordered a chili omelet. Yeah. And and the om, like it, what came out was an omelet not with chili on it. Chili uh-huh. re- requires the presence of meat, chilies and sauce. Yeah. All of which were absent from this thing. It was more like mm-hmm. just the beans. Uh-huh. And it was so super unappetizing. But I didn't want to send it back. And mm. and my my friends were like, they're waving down the waitress, it's like, no, 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 no. And I mm. only consented because the waitress like assured me, she's like, Look, don't worry. The kitchen staff is on your side on this one. They don't get why the owner is making this be the quote unquote chili omelette. Mm-hmm. They were they were they are expecting and prepared for this to come back with mm-hmm. and are not going to be vindictive. I was okay. like, okay, okay. Yeah. You didn't want a yeah. pube
0: in your chili. And that's listen, if you're the motherfucker that's going on and giving us one star reviews, I'm gonna to come to your house and put a pube in your chili. Um Robbie, do you want to do the thing? All over the
1: world. Join us next week for another edition of Unsolved Mystery.